Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to NJSBA's Blog Talk Radio show, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a show dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the important education issues of the day, a conversation that brings education leaders to you, and I hope that you all feel free to join in this conversation. My name is Ray Penny, and I will be your host this morning. Today we will not, be taking, uh, today we will not only be taking your calls, but we will also have our chat room open. Uh, I think this gives a, you another vehicle in which to participate in the show. Christy Tai will be taking calls this morning. Christy, can you please explain the process? Yes, I sure will. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, everybody. Now, if you want to call in, just dial the number one three four seven nine eight nine. 8904. That's 1347 989 8904. And if you want to make a comment or ask a question, just press 1 on your phone. That'll indicate on my switchboard that you want to ask a question. So I'll get your name and your question. Uh, also remember, if you're on the phone line, um, be sure to turn down the volume on your computer and only listen on the phone since there's a delay and sometimes it gets confusing. Now, if you're just listening on your computer, we do have a chat room feature that you can log into. We'll be monitoring the chat room, and if you have any questions, just post them on there, and we'll pass them on to our speaker. Now, to log on to the chat room, you will need to register with Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, Christy. Usually on the show, we deal with prospective legislative issues that school districts might have to deal with in the future, with the notable ex- exception of a couple of shows on the bullying. But today, we're going to take a different look. We're going to take a look at how school districts can utilize a program and possibly save energy costs. In this era of tight budgets, school districts must find creative ways to save costs in order to preserve educational programs and retain staff. We all want the money to go into the classroom or as much money as possible. One district is the Jackson Township School District employed energy audits to pinpoint possible cost reduction areas and to create a plan that would save the school district money. With me today, as we discuss energy audits, are two administrators from the Jackson Township School District, the business administrator, Michelle Richardson. Michelle, welcome. Thank you. Welcome to you. Uh, and the superintendent, Tom Giovanella. Uh, Tom, welcome. Good morning, Ray. I hope I didn't put your name too much. Uh, uh, you did well. <laughs> <laughs> and joining them is Joe Sullivan from Concord Engineering. Uh, he's Concord Engineers Vice President for Energy Policy and Development, the firm which worked with the school district on this energy audit. Welcome, Joe. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Okay. Um, any district board member or administrator interested in looking at ways to reduce, to reduce energy costs, I think we'll find this discussion uh, enlightening. Uh, Tom, the superintendent, please, uh, before we get started on what you did, give us a little background about the Jackson Township School District. How big is your school district, and uh, what are the size of the building? How many buildings do you have? Okay, well, Jackson Township is a, a large township geographically. We're over 100 square miles. Uh, we have 10 buildings, two high schools, two middle schools, and six elementary schools. Uh, we A little less than 10,000 students, about 9,600 students, and because we're spread out pretty much, we transport most of those students by bus. So it's a, a good-sized district uh, with 10 buildings that are, and our buildings range from being built in the 1940s, our oldest elementary school, and our newest building is Jackson Liberty High School, which was opened about four years ago. Oh, okay. And you're a growing district, or you had been a growing district too, right? Well, we've been growing at a, 
in five years ago, up to five years ago, we were going growing by about two or three or four hundred students every year. Uh, recently, with the uh, financial and economic um, uh, downturn and real estate market really coming down, we've slowed down and now we're pretty steady. Uh, but uh, we would expect that once the economy turns around, that we're going to be go- a growing district again. Okay, Michelle, the, as business administrator, what's the size of the school budget, and what percentage do energy costs eat up? Our school budget is just under $140 million uh, this year. What um, Our energy costs are about uh, almost $4 million, but in between 3 and $4 million. So it's about 3% of our budget. But it is the fourth largest cost in our budget, considering salaries and then benefits. And, um, you know, the, the energy is the, actually it's the third largest cost in our district for um, expending money. So we've been saving money in that area as much as possible. And that's probably fairly common for districts in terms of the energy costs being you know, obviously after a, a salary and benefits, one of the largest costs. It is. I think that our cost is actually a little below the average, though, for a school district this size. Okay. Uh, Joe, Mr. Sullivan, what's an energy audit? Before we okay, do? an energy audit is a, it's a systematic examination of the building or buildings. Uh, and you go through, as you do an audit, you go through and you look at all the energy-consuming equipment in the buildings and the building itself, and you identify how much energy is being used, where it's being used, and what it's being used for. The audit then identifies where energy savings are possible possible, and starts looking at the cost of the energy savings improvement uh, and the benefits or the savings that come from that. At the, at the end of the audit, what we would want to see is that the school administrators and managers basically have a roadmap of what are the specific energy conservation measures or ECMs, uh, because we all talk in acronyms too much, that can be done along with the estimated cost and paybacks. And this gives them a lot of information that they can say, okay, we need to now consider our school's growth and the other things that are going on and select what are the best measures for them to want to try and implement. And And there are a number of different ways they can go about implementing them. But the audit gives you sort of like the... 10,000-foot picture along with details and estimates of, of the cost and the benefits of what can be done. Does this um, energy audit cost anything, or uh, and who performs them? Well, uh, I'll first talk about the cost. Uh, good news about that for school districts is that the state has had for some time a local government energy audit program where through the Board of Public Utilities, uh, Office of Clean Energy, they fund and pay for up to $100,000 per year in local government energy audits for any public uh, agency. It can be a school, it could be a uh, higher ed facility, it could be a state facility, it could be county or municipal. So it's a really, you know, it's an excellent program. It's managed by the VPU through the Clean Energy Program. Uh, the cost for the audit itself ranges between about 10 cents a square foot to 30 cents a square foot, depending upon the size of a, a school district, the number of buildings, and the complexity of the buildings. Uh, obviously, a, a large high school with the complexity of labs and air conditioning and computer centers is going to be a more complex audit to undertake than a simple elementary school, which doesn't have as many complicated systems, may actually be a significantly smaller building. All right. so. Uh this audit then, if the school district want to take advantage of it, there is money from the BPU to help offset the cost, depending on the Yes, there is. Uh, and, it, and not only do they have money available to try and make it easier, and, and I, I love to plug for my own company. We're one of the successful companies in this. 
Uh, the Department of Treasury selected five firms based upon an open bid process uh, and awarded contracts for these firms to provide audits. Now, the, the firms that are involved in this are all capable firms, and they were evaluated based upon their ability to do this. Uh, the firms are also qualified by the Division of Property Management and Construction, and all of the firms who can do this work and all the firms who are awarded these contracts are qualified auditing firms. Uh, so it gives you a basis and also gives you a method to go out and get audits done without having to go through writing a full RFP and going through the whole process yourself. And on the other end of it, because of the funding through the Board of Public Utilities, there's a mechanism to pay for it. Um. It sounds like a, actually a pretty good deal for most districts. Um, Mr. Gionella, um tell our listeners why the Jackson Township School District used the energy audit and what it told you in, in your case. Well, uh, we have just gotten back our energy audit from Concord Engineering, uh, and I should say that we've had a relationship with Concord Engineering. They have done work on some of our newer buildings, uh, so we were comfortable with the process and comfortable with the company that we were dealing with. A little over 10 years ago, Ray, we did have another energy audit, uh, and we really built our whole energy policy on the findings of that audit, uh, where we needed improvements, what improvements we made, uh, and it really we found it very useful moving forward, especially building some new buildings and, and hearing from Concord some of the newer um, techniques and newer uh, technologies that we could use putting those buildings together. Uh, the most recent audit we have, like I said, we just have gotten it back, but we intend to, again, use that as a basis for our future energy policy and what we're going to do and what improvements we're going to make. Uh, just like Joe said, that it, it really is its a roadmap for school districts, in our case a school district, of what we should be doing, and it gives us a good idea of how much money it's going to cost us and how much money we're going to save by it. Uh, I really think that's the whole purpose of the energy audit, and I think that's what, how, we're, how we intend to use that as that roadmap to see where we should be going and what improvements we need to make. We know that some of our older buildings uh, are in need of some updates in technology and to improve our efficiency, and this um, energy audit is going to tell us exactly what we need to do and probably give us a good idea of a priority list of when we need to do it. Um, before I go to uh, you, Ms. Richardson, uh, Mr. Sullivan, if you have an energy audit, I guess it's not one size fits all. Uh, if you have an old building, would it tell you something different than it would for a newer building? Absolutely. I mean, it, 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 and that's the whole point of having qualified people do audits. If you go into an old building, you're going to be looking at older systems. You're also going to be looking at systems that may have reached the end of their useful life. So there's both a replacement that's necessary and an opportunity because that uh, the, the fact that that old system may need replacing or is obsolete, a new system not only is going to be required because the old equipment's wearing out, but it also, if it's, if it's well-selected and well-designed, gives you the opportunity to save significant money. You're almost always going to find, unless there's been an interim retrofit of some kind, that an older building is using older design lighting systems that have shorter service life, take a lot more electricity to light the building, they may be using older style heating and boilers equipment. Uh, we occasionally see even a building that was built during a time period when electricity was perceived as cheap, uh, which it really isn't looked at, uh, at in these days, and they have an all-electric building. Uh, so all of these things factor into looking at what are the best values for that particular customer for that particular building. Brand new buildings surprisingly also have opportunities. So you, know, it, it, you don't just turn a blind eye to a new building because it's a newer building. The budget restrictions at the time the building was built may have forced the school district 
to make some suboptimal decisions in terms of some of the equipment selections. Uh, and now with an audit available and uh, various different ways of trying to fund improvements, or the higher cost of energy today, it could be worthwhile to even make improvements to relatively recently built buildings. Hmm. Uh, Ms. Richardson, uh, in Jackson Township, what were the co costs to the district to go through this process, if any, and then what were the savings? Well, for us, um, I'm not sure of the cost 10 years ago because I wasn't a part of that one, but this recent audit that we did cost the district $95,000, but that is 100% covered by the, uh, the uh, BPU is paying for that entirely. You do have to put the money out at first, but the fact that they're doing that in this economy is great for us because it would have not have been something that you would have said we could do at this time. Um, but because it was being covered by the BPU, we, it was really helpful to do that at this time. So what, what we know is that even though we didn't have to put out the cost of the audit, once we implement the things that are, are on this roadmap that they've done for us, we'll be able to save even more money for the Jackson taxpayers down the road. It's a long-term effect for us. Okay. Um, uh, Mr. Gionella, uh, besides saving energy costs, were there any other benefits to the district? Well, I think, again, getting a, a priority list of the things that we should be doing and improving upon, and, and some of those things are, uh, when, when we look at the report, are a surprise to us, and some of them are pretty obvious to us. Uh, but I, getting a detailed audit, uh, obviously, uh, it gives you a plan for what you should do in the future, and I think that's a big benefit. Uh, but let me give you an example of it, because Joe talked about, it, you know, some buildings being built when electricity was cheap, and uh, now you look at it, it's a lot different. You know, Ten years ago when we got our energy uh, audit, we did have some buildings that were electric, and we did have a chance and opportunity to convert uh, them, and it became not only much more efficient but more comfortable too. So uh, I, I think there's a whole lot of benefits, and I'm not even talking about sharing this information and this is what we plan to do, you know, and make it part of our curriculum and sharing it with our students and talk about energy efficiency and what we should be doing and what they really, how they translate that into their own personal lives and personal use, too. So we do have a curriculum-based uh, program, an educational-based program for our students once we get this audit approved and accepted by the board that we can share with the community and especially our educational community. Uh, we're talking uh, with the superintendent and business administrator from the school district of Jackson Township and also with uh, Joe Sullivan from uh, Concord Engineering about energy audits and saving energy costs. If you want to ask a question of any of our guests, dial 1-347-989-8904 and press 1, and Christy will take your question uh, or comment, and I will pass it on to the to our guests. Um, Mr. Sullivan, um, Jackson Township is a large district. Uh, would an energy audit benefit a small district or, you know, even a one-building district? Well, or because the, the savings in the process is proportional, a small district may have one school, but they also have a much smaller tax base. So they're, they're struggling with the same challenges that a large district is of trying to provide education and trying to meet all of their budget demands. So, you know, you, in a small district, if you save $100,000 versus in a large district where you may save seven, dollars $800,000, in that small district, that may represent the same percentage of value to them. So it may save two positions because it took that budget pressure off. Uh, in a larger district, they have many more positions, many more demands. It may have you know a greater or larger, greater or lesser percent. But the same you know the same theory applies. If you have a small district and you save money, 
your district budget was smaller, so it becomes equally important to you. Um, uh, the superintendent was mentioning that, uh, but there's he had all a couple of buildings that were all electric. What are some of the other things that is common that you see in some of these energy audits that are relatively easy to address or or quick to easy quickly you can address them? Okay, you know the thing, the areas where you're going to see energy using devices, lighting is almost always a major thing. We're required to do what's called an investment grade analysis of lighting. So the auditor will go through and look at all the light fixtures, what the technology is, how much light they produce, and the amount of energy it takes to do that. Uh, it's one of the great things that you know technology has continued to evolve. When we went through buildings 10 and 15 years ago, we we're converting to a more efficient fluorescent lighting system. Well. Fluorescent lighting systems are now much more efficient than they were 10 years ago, and we expect within the next five to 10 years we're going to see an evolution into more of the light-emitting diode lights and other technologies, which will continue to move the bar of producing light or producing the needed services of cooling or heating more and more efficiently. So it's not something you just do once, walk away, and you're done forever. Uh, periodically, it is definitely worth going back and looking at things uh, and making sure that your current technology and your current systems are doing their job right. Uh, and it also will, it will uncover where systems aren't working the way they were supposed to. Uh, and what will happen over time is some automatic controls will be overridden, somebody won't have maintained a particular device, we may have problems with fans or belts or filters, uh, and those very, you know, almost no cost to implement items can be identified during an audit process. Uh, and save money in a very simple way of getting caught up on some of the maintenance or reconnecting automatic controls. So it's it's the whole gamut of things, and and we will identify things in audits that might not be affordable too. That you know this building could deal with you know all new you know new doors and windows because they're they're not insulated. Well, that may have a long payback, but there also may be a problem with that building that it's leaking water or leaking air and is causing problems. So at least we're able to quantify what the energy value and energy savings of replacing those doors and windows would be. But the school may want to do that even though it's not the best energy savings because it relates to other problems they're having with the comfort and the environment inside the building. It's like what Mr. Gionella said. It, it helps you set priorities as a school district as to where you're going to uh, your, make your building more efficient. And that's why this is this is important that it becomes a dialogue. The auditors and the engineers can identify things, but we can't tell a school district what's most important to them. The dialogue with them and, and the interplay back and forth between a school district and the auditors and the engineers to try and narrow this down to what they really need is a very important aspect of this. Uh, Mr. Uh, Gianella, uh, I noted, I think your last building is what, six years old, your newest building? Our newest building is about five or six years old. Okay. Um, so you had an energy audit 10 years ago. So did that energy audit play into your school construction? Well, when, when the energy audit 10 years ago, and it was about 10 years ago, came in, uh, yeah, especially when it looked at heating systems, and we decided in our most recent buildings, and we have converted some of our older buildings uh, because of that previous energy audit over to geothermal systems, which have become much more efficient and is the standard that we've been using uh, and out of our 10 buildings, I believe we have four. four buildings that use that geothermal, two of the newer buildings and then two buildings that were converted. So, yeah, it, it helps us make decisions on lighting. It helps us make decisions on that heating unit. 
uh, how we're going to air condition those buildings. So uh, we looked at that, and again, this new energy audit that we're going to be accepting soon will become that blueprint in the future for what we need to do and how we need to do it. So it, it plays an important part in our planning. Uh, Ms. Richardson, um, the, is there a long-term benefit to this energy audit? Uh, like it, I think you said before, it, it pays its di dividends over a long period of time. It's not a short-term thing? It does, and I think that's why our energy costs, to, even today, are less strict the same size because of the energy savings that we put into place 10 years ago. You know, converting those two schools to geothermal was a huge savings for us at that time. And, it, and like Mr. Gianella said, it's better for the school district itself as far as the building is much better because of it. Um, and we've always, we did a huge lighting retrofit at the time also. Uh, we got savings on that. We've re been reaping the savings from, the, from that lighting retrofit ever since. And even now, that technology is a little outdated. And in the audit that we did this time, they pointed out that the lighting could, again, be improved. And, you know, we're, we're currently doing a project at Johnson School where it's one of our elementary schools where we will be improving the lighting. So we'll, it'll take us doing one school at a time, but we hope to implement all of these changes. Great. A good example of it is we have two high schools which are roughly the same size, about 350,000 square feet. Uh, the older high school, Jackson Memorial High School, was built in the 1960s. Uh, the newer high school, like I said, is our newest building about five, six years ago opened up. Uh, the energy costs for the two buildings are dramatically different. Uh, with the newer school using newer technologies and information that we received in our energy audit from a number of years ago, compared to the older high school, which was built in, like I said, in the 1960s using that type of technology, even though we have made some improvements since then on some of our facilities and functions through our last energy audit. But the difference that we have in paying those utility bills is really a, a huge difference. And I, I think that just shows and illustrates um, some of the savings you can get when you update those systems and use a more modern technology and the information you get from audits. So uh, the new building uh, is much more efficient, even though you actually improved the older building too, but it's still... It's, yeah, we've done some improvements to the old, older building, but we would expect this new audit is going to point out some of the things that we still have, have, have to be accomplished. But the newer building, even though it's air-conditioned and the older building is not, is still the energy costs are lower. Wow. Um, would you recommend something like this for uh, most districts to go through to your colleagues? But to tell you the truth, Ray, I don't see a downside. Uh, I think you get good information because the companies that, you know, we use Concord and a reputable country, company that did a great job. I'm sure the other four are also would do a great job. They're all certified. Um, you know, it's, it, the cost is reimbursed by the BPU, the program that the state has. Uh, so you get good information and you get the money back. So even if you don't do anything with it, I believe you get, you, you, it's basically paid for. So uh, I think that's, uh, it's a win-win situation. I don't see how you come out a loser on it. Because it seems like you do get good information, and I, I, I guess you do have to put the money out first, but you're still getting reimbursed. Right. Right. 
they reimburse you within 60 days of you finishing the audit, and that takes a little time, but you know it's still worth your while. And like Mr. G said, it's a, it's a win-win situation for everybody. And then even if you can't implement these things right away, you can, you know, throughout time as you're building your budget each year, you can say, well, let's take the next best thing off of the audit and do that thing as you, as the money becomes available. So if you're going to do any capital projects, you kind of have an idea to improve your energy efficiency. You kind of have an idea how the long-term effect it would have. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Sullivan, I was reading through some uh, articles on this, um, and as you said, there's a, we always use acronyms in education and government. There's something called the ESIP, Energy Savings Improvement Plan. What's that? Okay, this is a term that's used to describe performance contracting in New Jersey. Uh, and what we did a number of years ago while the state was developing these various different programs, and I was with the state at the time, uh, we felt that it was important not just to give people an opportunity to get an audit done, but it's also important that government allows the tools available for the school districts and other people to implement it. So what was developed uh, and passed into law and signed into law was this ESIP or ESIP legislation. It's The correct term is, is Public Law 2009, Chapter 4. And what this allows a, a district or a local government to do is to engage in ESCO or even develop a self-performance program because that's, it's, it's a fairly flexible law, which enables them to contract and finance the energy improvements. Uh, and this is really important because the entire concept behind the ESIP is, is that an audit identifies energy conservation measures. You can then take that and develop a request for proposals and hire an ESCO and, and, or choose to do the measures yourself. And it gives you the ability to contract for up to 15 years for conventional energy efficiency, up to 20 years for combined heat and power, but that's probably not really likely at a school district size, but possible. Uh, but it gives you now a way to use the energy savings to pay for the improvements. Uh, and it's not considered new budgeted funds, so it doesn't require a full bond referendum in pursuing this option, because what you're doing really is you're reallocating money that you were spending to buy electricity or gas and you're using that to pay for the improvements that enable you to use less electricity and gas. So it's sort of a, a self-funding mechanism if you want to look at it from that perspective. Um, Ms. Richardson, uh, how many, you know, I know, and I know with the superintendent, too, you meet periodically. How many districts do you know have gone through the energy audits, uh, at least in the Ocean County? I do not know of any in Ocean County. I have talked to a few of my colleagues about it. I don't know that they've actually entered into it in Ocean County. Uh, superintendent, Mr. Gionel, do you know of any other districts that have done this? Well, on the superintendent's level, it's not something that we talk about usually at our meetings. I think that's more of the uh, BA's meetings, but um, I'm not sure. I haven't heard of any. Mr. Sullivan, how many, district, uh, how many districts do you know that have done some type of energy audit? I can't tell you off the top of my head, but I know it's in the hundreds of districts or the hundreds of buildings uh, that we have seen a very receptive uptake on this. Uh, there, are, there are still a large number of districts which have not done it, and you know, we certainly encourage people to take advantage of good programs, and we look at this as a good program uh, because it leads to informed, cost-effective decision-making. Um, is there a cap as to how many districts or could apply for this in a year, or the only cap is there's an annual cap of a hundred thousand uh, dollars. 
Uh, and as uh, one of the representatives from the school district there said, theirs was 95000 So it was uh, under that cap, so they're able to do the audits in their district. Uh, it's also possible, because that's an annual cap, that if you have a very large district, that you could do a group of buildings this year and a group of buildings the following fiscal year. Uh, it probably is too much if you were trying to do more than that in one year to try and implement. Uh, and again, it's up to the districts to make the the decisions and vet this and say, okay, if I need to do audits, these are my buildings I think are most important. I have the biggest problem with the highest energy bills here. Let's audit those, and next year we'll do the rest. And so Jackson Township is a pretty large district, so 95,000 probably cover a good number of districts. But so you're saying that if, if I'm a district uh, and I have five buildings, I know four of them are really old, and I have a new one, and I can't allocate that much in the budget. I can just do like four. I can do an energy audit for just four buildings out of my five. The only limitation you have to face, though, is if you if you want to go through the performance contracting route to implement the audits, you mm -hmm. have to have an audit done for each building that you want to do the implementation on. Uh, and it's okay. really yeah. And, and the reason for that's not to be prescriptive. It's to make sure uh, the goal here is is to make sure that the the public sector representatives are informed. Uh, so you'd want them to know that, you know, this building I'm looking to do a heating system on or I'm looking to do a lighting retrofit on has been audited and they've been informed of the relative costs and the cost benefits for those different measures for that building because every building is a little different. Hmm. And um, another question, Mr. Sullivan. It seems that school districts such as Jackson Township need the outside consultants. What does, the, what does your firm do? Uh, well, Concord Engineering has, like I, I, I would describe as a full suite of expertise that we can bring in. Uh, we've got skills in, in, in people who are specifically qualified to do energy auditing. We have mechanical, electrical, and plumbing engineering. We have construction management. We have building commissioning. And we even provide services to support electric and gas commodity procurement because electric and gas are frequently bought in an unregulated market. The way the laws relate to this, if we do the audit, we can still work with the school district on specific things, but we can never go and switch sides and go to work for the company that's providing services to them as an ESCO. And it's done for a very good reason, is that the, the law is structured so that the school district always has somebody who is only obligated to providing good professional advice to them. If you allow the auditors to switch over and become the ESCO, you might create some conflict of interest uh, where what's best for the company doing the implementation isn't necessarily what's absolutely best for the school. So the way these laws are structured, it, it tells us that if we do certain services, we may be prescribed from others. Uh, if somebody else, if one of the other four auditors was doing a project and NASCO came in and wanted to do services, that ESCO could hire us or the school could hire us as an engineer to do other work, uh, but we could never work for the ESCO that's doing the implementation of something that was created through one of our audits. And although it restricts our business, we also look at it as a fair and reasonable approach to try and create some separation of services and some checks and balances. Um, now, you know, to me, it seems like a, a kind of a a win-win situation for a school district. Uh, Ms. Richardson, if a district is going to think of doing this, I guess the only thing from the budgeting perspective is to make sure uh, you have the money that you allocate for it and that you know you're going to be reimbursed for. Is that the, the only cost that I see? Right. That is the only initial cost. And to have someone to walk the um, engineers around at the, at the beginning to show them your building. 
that's the only cost that I had to put out. I was actually surprised that the cost came in um, below the 100000 And I even applied back when they were only going to cover 75%, and the district was willing to put out the 25% to cover this, but they changed the rules, and they now cover 100% of the cost under $100,000. I really thought that I would only get half of my buildings done this year and, and then half done another year. But um, I was very surprised and happy to see that I was able to get all 10 schools, including the administration building, in this cost of $95,000. Okay. And, uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to interject something to sort of support what, you, what was just being said. The, the time that's spent of having the school dedicate people, whether they're operations maintenance people and or administration people, is important because any auditor worth the salt has to also know how to listen. They need to listen to the, the school administrators and the managers who deal with this on a day-to-day -day basis. They also have to listen to the operations and, and maintenance people who, who are responsible for the school on a day-to-day -day basis. So this is a, a interactive dynamic. And if an auditor were to come in and just say, I know everything and I don't need to talk to these folks because they're not as smart as me, that's not a person I'd want to be doing business with. Uh, an auditor who actually listens and tries to consider all the factors that the client has to deal with, and they're dealing with a tough world right now. So that's also a, a really, you know, the, the, there's an investment of time, but I think it's a very smart investment of time. Now, uh, Mr. Gianella, uh, once you have the energy audit, is, is it given to the administration, and then the administration sit down with the, the consultants and then goes to the board after that, or does the how do you work it? What's the process? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to we have a draft. We're going to get the uh, final report from Concord and have a meeting with them so we fully understand it. Um, then we will present it to the board and they will accept it. And then probably uh, we will be breaking it down with the board and, and kind of trying to come up with some type of priority list that we see the most important things that we need to do. Some of them right away and some long term. What's the cost and what's the benefit? And trying to put all that together, you know, and as someone mentioned before about the economic times and it's tough times for schools, but try to look at those and, and how we're going to handle this. Uh, you, we're, we're looking at the energy savings improvement plan and how we could use that, what we can put in our capital expense budget, and, and what we would need to go for perhaps some outside sources to, to, to get done. But uh, I, I think it's a process. It's a process that includes obviously our, our administration, uh, the Board of Education, and then Concord advising us and explaining some of the things that they see and making some recommendations to put that priority list together. Now, it's not exactly the same board, but a board about 10 years ago approved moving in this direction, and I guess they sort of benefit enough to say, let's do it again 10 years later. Yeah, uh, and I think that we, when we approach the board this, again, it's a win-win situation um, when the change in the funding came around that it was going to cost us nothing to do it for up to $100,000, you know, you don't need to, the board didn't have to think about that long, and, and, we, and we tried to move on it right away. But they have seen with the conversion of some buildings and our newer buildings going to geothermal, and like I said before, the, the blatant difference in energy costs between two buildings of similar size used in a similar way, uh, they see the advantage of this for our finances, and it really makes sense to do. And we shouldn't, again, discount the educational component that we're teaching children uh, to be energy efficient and some things that we're doing are going to carry over into what they, how, when they grow up, what they do in their own personal life. Is it a better learning environment, too, if the lighting's better and more efficient and the heat's well, when, when students are comfortable um, with heating and air conditioning that's efficient and works well, uh, without a doubt. 
and besides the lighting issues that um, is ob that are obvious, I think it's a comfort level for students. And I see, think you know we are often compared to private industry, and uh, when you look around at some of the buildings that were built in the 60s and in the 70s without air conditioning and perhaps poor heating systems, and when our students have to spend time in classrooms where they need a coat, or in the summer it, it becomes really oppressive. You know, I, I've also often used uh, the example when I talk to our community, uh, you would never put 25 adults in a 800 square foot room with a few little windows uh, in, in May and June and expect to get something out of that group of adults. But we routinely do it with students, putting them in classrooms without air conditioning in, in that type of environment and expect to get results. So I think it's a good example of the changing world we live in. When I went to school, and probably Ray, when you went to school, we didn't have air conditioning, and it was common. But I think this is a different world, and we and our students and our communities have different uh, expectations. Uh, Mr. Sullivan, does an energy order almost always show some type of savings, or in a, particularly in older buildings? I could, but I could very honestly say I don't think I've ever seen an energy audit that hasn't identified some opportunity. I, I, yeah. It's possible that you might go through a building, and I, I would say if you had a brand new building that was LEED certified or one of the really extremely you know, well-designed, well-engineered buildings, you might not find anything in that one. But short of that brand new LEED certified building or Energy Star building, you're almost guaranteed to find savings opportunities. And even within those buildings, you're very likely to find something. Plus, you know, whether it's Concord Engineering or anybody else, no one's perfect and no one sees everything. And then there's also things that happen after the fact because after a school is built or after a building is built, they have to adjust their use because they may have changing demographics, they may have new programs, uh, and the building needs to be adjusted to reflect those changes. Hmm. Um, if you have an older, I, I can't see why you wouldn't do it if you have an older building. So that's, uh, maybe the superintendent can tell me why some, one of your colleagues went in or the business administrator, why would someone not go into something like this, or at least consider it? I, I have. I think the biggest reason why you wouldn't do it is because of the cost, and that has been taken off the table, so I don't see why anybody is not doing it. Um, it is, it's knowledge to us. You know, many of us in our positions as superintendents and business administrators, we come from educational backgrounds or accounting backgrounds. We're not engineers. We're not architects. Sure. We rely on our professionals to let us know what is going on in these buildings, and I think that that's very important in this business to make sure that our buildings are efficient and are working the best for our students so that we can focus on what's most important to us, and that's educating our students. Uh, Mr. Sullivan, if you're going to some of these buildings, do you have, like, the custodians or someone else there? Do you discuss things with the, the staff in, in the buildings? Absolutely. Uh, number one, I don't think any school in New Jersey is going to allow a bunch of strange uh, men or women wandering around their school unattended or unsupervised. They're much more concerned about the safety of their the, the people that are in their, the kids that are in their custody. So they're not going to let us wander around unsupervised completely. But it's also important for us to have that dynamic of talking to if it's a, if it's a custodian or a maintenance worker or a service worker. Uh, and having some discussion with the administrators and the business managers because they actually have the bills uh, that translate all of this. So they need to be part of that discussion. Uh, and frequently, if possible, the management of the school is, is involved because 
they're the ones that are going to tell us, well, yeah, we got, you know, this room is particularly uncomfortable. Uh, the, the teachers that are in there might not complain because they look at it as complaining, but it's stuffy and there's other problems. Uh, and we need that information. Uh, and it, it is, a, you know, as I said, it's, a smite, it, it, it's an investment of some time, but I think it's a very smart investment. And if we don't listen to those people, we can't do our job well either. Okay. Um, I think we're going to be having a question from one of our callers, but uh, I have one uh, one other question from for myself. Um, I'm, not, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to put this after as we're talking to you. Um, you talked about the energy savings improvement plan. Do you do you, does your a consultant do that in conjunction with the school? In an ideal world, the audit is used to guide this, and the school then, and with that discussion back and forth with the school management, you identify which of the measures and which of the locations are most important, and that gets put into uh, an improvement plan, uh, which can be used uh, along with the audit documents to form a bid process for either an ESIP or be input to a more conventional design-build operation. Okay, uh, we have a question from a caller, Nick. Uh, you have a, I had a question about your district is small? Yes, I, it's a it's a two-part question. Is is there ever a situation where a district is too small to have an energy audit completed? And the second part of the question for the superintendent and business administrator is how did they engage um, the board and community support? Okay. Who's going to go first? Well, let, let me take the second one, and uh, I know Nick, and hi, Nick, how you doing? Um, we, we have, 10 years ago, the example that was set and we were successful um, really led us to start a new one with Concord recently. Uh, with that being said, though, once, once the results come in, we expect to engage the community and show them that some of these improvements are going to make financial sense for us. Because there was no, um, we didn't have any funding at risk because everything was being paid for, we limited our engagement with the community so far and was really, are really waiting for that for the results and then to show that we really need to do some of these things and this is why. This is the money that we're spending when we shouldn't be spending. These are the advantages we gain. These are the benefits we gain. So we really want to move forward with that. Uh, once we get those results and, and try to show kind of like result-oriented program uh, that we can give our community. So in like terms of data. Is, a, is a district too small to have an audit done or, or to get the attention? There are five firms that, are, that have been awarded contracts that can do this auditing. You know, people's workloads varies all the time. Uh, I can only speak for Concord. We rarely would, I, I can't see a situation where we'd say we would not be willing to do an audit. Uh, we also look at this as part of our commitment to the community uh, and to the state uh, that we were selected for this work, so we try and res be responsive to anyone who requests us to give a proposal. Uh, but you've got five firms, and those firms are allowed to do a certain amount of subcontracting also the way the contracts work. So I don't believe that you're going to have anyone, I don't think we have any one school, you know, one old schoolhouse districts anymore uh, most, I think almost anybody who's undertaking this has a building, and the building has energy uses and needs, uh, and you're, you know, you, you have to, to put the request out, but I believe you will get a response, uh, even in a small district. Okay, Nick, and no matter how big or small you are, Ray, I think that nobody has this expertise. Nobody has 
that I know of, an engineer with this type of certification on staff. So you really have to reach out and, and find somebody that does that. And there's a lot of different things large school districts and small school districts have to reach out for some certain expertise, and this is one of them. I really think that uh, you know you really need to go out there and find a company at one of these five companies that they all have that expertise, and yet that, that type of education is the one you need. Okay, thanks, Nick. Uh, thank you. That's bringing us to the end of the show. I'd like to thank uh, uh, Joe Sullivan from Concord Engineering for joining us. Joe, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Okay. Uh, Michelle Richardson from uh, the Business Administrator, thank you. Thank you, Ray. And Tom Gianello, which I know I butchered your name several times. Ah, you did well. <laughs> uh, I like to... Our next schedule show will be in September, and it will be a back-to-school special. And that brings us to the end of another Conversations on New Jersey Education. I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. As I always say, our kids' education is too important not to talk about. If you have any issue or a speaker you think would be good for this format, please contact me via email at rpinney at njsba.org. And thank you for listening and tuning in, and I hope to talk to you again in the next month.